Today, we're going to talk about the metaverse. That's the man who invented Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. But what's he talking about now? The metaverse. The metaverse. The metaverse. The metaverse. The metaverse. Oh, uh, that. I still don't really know what it is. We believe the metaverse will be the successor to the mobile internet. Thanks, Mark, but that clears up basically nothing. Why is it so hard to answer the question, what actually is the metaverse? This is Stuff Explained. I'm John O'Williams, and in a bid to answer that question, I'm joined by Ian Howard, tech commentator and strategist from Bright Street Studios. Hi, Ian. Kia ora, John. So we're talking about the metaverse. To me, it looks like a mashup of a computer game and social media. Is that basically it? I think you've kind of got that about right, or certainly the first iteration of it and where it is now. I think it is kind of those two things. Uh, where it will be in the future, probably a little bit different from that is the honest truth of it. I think it will be a... Um, Ultimately, it'll be a kind of living and breathing world, like a second world that you can spend your time in, that you can uh, experience in the same way as you experience the physical world, um, where you can buy things, do things, be things, um, uh, you know, probably escape from, you know, some of the stresses and woes of the real world um, if you want to. It'd probably give you more stresses and woes, though, in some ways, wouldn't it? I mean, we've had enough issues with social media and scams and trolling and bullying and all that kind of thing. I'd imagine the same issues are at some stage going to afflict the metaverse. Yeah, I, I mean, that's generally what happens, isn't it? I think, um, you know, originally when social media was created, the idea was that that would be a safe space for people and, you know, where you can express your opinions and be yourself. And we've seen what's happened in that space. Um, you know, it's a little bit like I, I often talk about communism. You know, communism on paper looks like a great idea. It's just that people get in the way. Um, and I think probably the metaverse will be the same thing. I think in, um, uh, you know, in theory, it seems like a, a great idea, a place where people can be themselves, where you're empowered, um, where you can probably um, be free of judgment in some ways. I mean, if you think about the way that we live our physical lives, a lot of your characteristics that you're born with and can't do anything about kind of end up defining you. And I guess one of the ideas of the metaverse is that you can escape from those and kind of be what you want to be rather than be what you're forced to be um, through physical characteristics. Um, oh, absolutely. What will end up happening is um, people and their worst characteristics will be, uh, you know, some people, I should say. Like, you know, I do believe in humanity and there will be some good in there. I mean, there's plenty of reasons not to at the moment, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> exactly. It's getting harder and harder to believe in humanity, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, but yeah, you know, there will be some bad actors and I'm sure there will be um, the same stresses and woes. Um, you know, anytime you get people together, that's what happens. In a nutshell, how does the metaverse work? If you give me Metaverse 101, if you like. Yeah, it's a really big question. Um, I think the best way to think of it is it's kind of broken into three quite separate technologies, um, which are quite, kind of hard to define. Like the, the, the lines are quite blurry between them. Um, you have virtual reality. Um, now, virtual reality is the idea that you escape the physical world entirely and just exist in uh, you know, a world that's created through algorithms and through um, you know, code in some way, shape or form. So um, a lot of uh, gaming that happens right now, you can kind of think of as virtual reality. The difference is there'll be fully immersive environments where you'll wear goggles or some sort of headset like the sort of Oculus Rift thing that um, uh, Facebook are trying to push, which incidentally, um, uh, you, you just look ridiculous wearing. Let's be completely honest here. So, uh, yeah, that virtual reality is about kind of leaving the physical world, uh, moving into a completely separate world. Then you've got augmented reality. Now, augmented reality is more about existing in the physical world. And if you think about something like Pokemon Go, so, um, you know, you're actually interacting with the physical world, but over the top of the physical world is something digital. So that might be something that you interact with, something that you find, kind of treasure hunty type stuff. There are lots of practical uses for that as well. Augmented reality is playing an enormous role in healthcare. Um, right now, you think about surgery being aug augmented by tips and so on. Uh, it can be extremely useful. And then you've got mixed reality, which sort of sits somewhere in the middle. Now, mixed reality is the idea that you interact 
interact with something in the physical world. So a good example, um, keeping this simple, might be something like Zwift. I don't know if you know about the uh, sort of exercise bike craze. Yeah, yeah, I've so, heard of it. So you can sit on an exercise bike. You're, you're using an exercise bike in the real world. You're physically interacting with that, but that's sending signals to this uh, kind of other world. Um, which can make it look like you're climbing one of the mountains in the Tour de France. Um, so you're kind of existing in two worlds at the same time. That's the idea of mixed reality. Um, so those three technologies will kind of come together and allow you to interact with, and when I say world, by the way, multiple worlds. Like right now, there are multiple worlds being created. So you can disappear off onto, you know, it's a bit like um, space exploration. You can kind of disappear off onto planets if you're choosing, fundamentally. So you're sick of, you know, Auntie Margaret at Christmas lunch. You're like, you know what? I'm just going into a different world right now. I'm done with you. Well, Auntie Margaret at Christmas lunch is never fun, let's be honest. Here, <laughs> is it? Yeah, so exactly. So chuck your goggles on and disappear. Um, and don't worry about being antisocial in this world. Yep. You mentioned, you know, headsets and goggles and that kind of thing. Are we going to see a resurgence of the Google Glass that came out years ago and then kind of very quietly faded away because it looked ridiculous and seemed weird? It's a big question. I'll give you my personal response to that. Yeah. I suspect not, is the answer. So I think the biggest thing that's standing in the way of the metaverse um, fulfilling its potential right now is the fact that there are these physical products that you have to put on look ridiculous um, and they're in some way kind of I, I guess distance you from that world like just the sheer fact that you have to put a, a you know a headset on and um, you know to me it's kind of not seamless and I think what we'll end up with and, and this is where it gets really scary where we'll end up if the metaverse comes to life in the way that you know I read a report recently that 54% of experts think by 2040 the metaverse will be kind of fully matured and that we'll be able to interact with it completely seamlessly um, if that happens I suspect that will be because we will have new technology that doesn't involve having to put glasses on and that we'll be able to interact through our senses through our eyesight through our hearing without the need for that hardware. Now, when you get into that world, you start thinking, what is that? Are those chips that are implanted in us? Is that, where, you know, uh, it, it starts to worry me a little bit and you get into this kind of dystopian uh, sort of lawnmower man um, type world. Um, uh, yeah, we, we shall see. So, I, no, I don't think Google Glass is the solution. Um, and I'll go out on a limb and say that. Is it already in use? Like, Are, are people already using it? And, and if so, how's it going? Yeah, I mean, it is in use, but not by, you know, the billions of people uh, who make up the population of the planet. It's, um, uh, you know, relatively small fry at the moment. Um, and, and it's being used predominantly, as you said, as a kind of social media, so a place where people can gather. Um, and also as a gaming, um, you know, gaming is really driving innovation in the metaverse. Um, if you think about right back to the days when the first first person shooters, that's the idea that you put yourself, you know, into someone else's yeah. head. Pew, pew. And, exactly. And you can see the, the hands in front of you, the gun in front of you. Um, you know, that was probably 20 years ago that they were invented. I mean, I think if you think about the vision of those, it was about becoming someone else and immersing yourself in an environment of war, which is always slightly concerning. But um, uh, but yeah, so, you know, gaming playing an enormous part in this. I can see why that's uh, that's part of the vision. You know, there are other um, really practical uses. The business world will actually play a really big part in bringing the metaverse to life. Um, you know, over the last couple of years, we've got used to the idea that we work remotely. The way that we collaborate with people at the moment is via screens, you know, kind of Zoom and so on, and maybe virtual whiteboards and that kind of stuff, which are quite clunky to use. If you think about the natural extension of the metaverse, you could come together with your colleagues across the world, around the country, sit in virtual rooms and feel like you're collaborating with them, you know, like you would if you were literally sitting in the same room in a physical world. Um, now that, you know, I work in the creative industries, uh, collaboration is an enormous part of that. Now that, I can see why that has real practical purposes and can actually drive, you know, enormous efficiencies, productivity, better ideation. Um, so, you know, if we start getting into that space, I think that'll start to drive, um, drive it all forward. But right now, you know, it's fairly niche and it's really for, for, for gamers and for, um, you know, kind of probably outliers in social media right now. 
So Facebook, obviously, we know is big in the space. Zuckerberg's pouring in billions of dollars. Is anyone else making moves? Are we going to see, you know, say a couple of companies with different metaverses and how will they interact? And do we not have any kind of clue around that yet? Yeah, there's probably oh, there's, there's a lot of big players at the moment, but um, Facebook would be one of the major ones. Microsoft are pouring a lot of money into um, into the metaverse as well. Um, whether these will end up being kind of separate worlds um, that you exist in, or whether at some point the kind of worlds will come together, you know, a bit like they do now, I guess, um, uh, is kind of yet to be seen. Um, and then Epic Games, the guys that own Fortnite, which is obviously the you know enormous, oh yeah, um, yeah, absolutely enormous game, um, where people spend you know hours and hours of their time, lose themselves, spend a lot of money on their you know making sure that they're building their, their profile and um, uh, their kind of sense of social status within the game, um, and obviously gaming to win. Um, Epic Games have pledged a billion dollars you know into the metaverse, um, so they obviously see that as the future of gaming. So yeah, it's kind of gaming and social media and technology companies at the moment, but there are a lot of then players within those worlds. Worlds, you know, fashion companies, real estate companies who are um, uh, just getting heavily involved. Earlier on, we mentioned about buying things. So is it basically, you know, if, let's think real estate, for example. Could you do a house tour in the metaverse or something? Oh, you, you can not only do a house tour in the metaverse, um, a, a, so absolutely is the answer. You can also buy houses in the metaverse. So there are property companies set up right now um, so that you can go and buy your perfect house that doesn't exist in the real world. It's hugely competitive. There'll be auctions just like there are here, you know, for actual houses that you're trying to buy. Um, you know, essentially in the real world, one of the things that you're I guess defined by is what you own. Um, you know, it's a sad reality of society that we judge people on their on their wealth. Um, now, the same thing is going to happen in the virtual world. It, it will still be um, defined by supply and demand dynamics. So, you know, if you want to buy that house, but other people want to buy it, the price will go up, um, and that will come right down to. You know, the way you'll interact with um, with the metaverse is through avatars. So as I say, you, you get to define a little bit kind of how you look and so on. But um, again, if you take that to its kind of end state, uh, you know, we know that people who are tall in real world actually make more money. Like, you know, by every inch, if you put that across, you know, people in the US, for example, it equates to a certain amount of dollars on average that you earn more than someone who's short. Now, as someone who's five foot seven, that really irks me. But As uh, someone who's six foot four, I'm very pro this. Well, you can buy the drinks then, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, if you think about it, um, in the virtual world or in the metaverse, people are going to want to be tall. Um, now, what's probably going to end up happening is if you want to be tall, you're going to need to pay for it um, because there's a value in that. If you want to wear um, you know, more fashionable clothing that reflects better on you, there'll be a price that comes with that. So I suspect that all the economic realities that happen in the real world right now will end up being replicated in the metaverse. Just what we need, another out-of-control housing market online instead of in real life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are regulators ready? for something like this? Uh, absolutely not, no. Um, How do they get ready? Well, that's a really good question, actually. I mean, I think um, I've been immensely frustrated over the last 20 years at the lack of um, foresight and proactivity in the regulation space. Um, I think it's one of the things that's missing um, you know, from social media and honestly from the internet as it stands right now. And it's why we've got into a position where the internet is fundamentally owned by a couple of huge you know, organizations. Um, the same thing will happen with the metaverse. You know, There's a reason why Mark Zuckerberg uh, want you put ten billion dollars? You know, he's pledged ten billion dollars into the metaverse. There's a reason why he rebranded the company to Meta. You know, back in October 2021, he believes in the metaverse as the future. Now, that's not something that he's doing philanthropically. It's not because he believes in a better humanity. It's because he sees that as a space that you know allows him more control, and it will end up being owned by um, you know fundamentally capitalists. Um, and if we're not careful, it will be owned by two or three very rich capitalists um, in the same way really as the physical world is. And so regulators need to be getting ahead of it. I think the problem is 
these things don't get taken seriously until it's too late. You know, it's kind of seen as something niche, uh, much like social media was 15 years ago. You know, oh, no one's really going to use that. What's the harm that it can do? Then before you know it, you've got the world on it spending hours and hours a day um, and regulators are just too far behind to be able to do anything about it. So, yeah, the hope would be that they're, they're looking forward at what this could become. Um, and I think that's the important part is it's not necessarily what it will become, but they need to be looking at all the eventualities, what it could become and making sure that they're creating legislation around that. Um, and then if it doesn't become that, you can kind of roll it back from there. But you have to go to, you know, the uh, sort of maximum final state, I think. Hey, thanks for being with me, Ian. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Johnny. That's it for this episode of Stuff Explained. I'm Jono Williams, and on behalf of producer Philippa Tolley, thanks for listening. You can find more Stuff Explained online at stuff.co.nz, and make sure to like and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt abrasive doctor who I had you know had not seen before who delivered the news just like you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The human race where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it and so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate.